Okay, we are learning Daf Lamed Tes. We're starting from the second to bottom line on Lamed Ches and Beis. So let's just recap what we had yesterday. We had yesterday um, a dispute in the Mishnah about the the, the Yavama's properties. So we're saying, let's say she was a Shemar Yavam and she has properties and she wants to sell the land. So does the husband have the right to, to stop her, her mechira? So a regular, a regular husband, when he's married, he has a right to stop his wife from selling the properties because he has the right to use them. But what about a Shemar Yavam? Is the Yavam considered married to her? So the Mishnah said he doesn't. He doesn't have the right to stop her. He's not considered married to her. She, she could sell. The problem is at the end of the Mishnah, when she dies, we want to know who inherits her properties. So we say that Bishamah says it should be split between the husband between the Yavam, it might be her husband and her family. So we see that the husband is considered a Suffolk. If he, he might be considered uh, the husband, to, to be like a real husband. The Yavam might be a husband. So what's the difference between the Reisha and the Seifa and Beishamah's opinion? Is the Yavam considered like a husband or is he not? That was the problem that we were discussing yesterday. So now Abaye is picking up on the second to bottom line, Lama Chesim Beis. Abaye Amr. The first part of the mission of the property felt her when she was a Shemaris Yavim. So the Zika is not strong enough to make him acquire, to make the Yavim acquire new properties that she inherits now. These properties were not in the marriage before the deceased died. She's just inheriting now as a Shemaris Yavim. And Zika isn't strong enough to give him ownership over it now. Whereas Seifa is talking about that she inherited the properties when she was first married. And that's the difference. Bishamai holds that, that, that since it was already held by the deceased, it was his property, right? He had the right to use it. And he had such a stronghold over the property that now when he dies, the Yavam inherits that right. It goes down. It's weaker, obviously, because it's Zika, but he inherits the right partially. And therefore, he could stop her. Um, he could stop her from being considered the full owner on it. And that's, that's the point why he would inherit the property when she would die. Said, and, and what does Basil hold? So the Gemara continues. Because of Rabbi, Yado ki Yada. And Rabbi holds that Yado is ki Yada. Meaning to say that Basil holds that the, a husband's rights in the property are equal to the rights of his wife. They're just like equal partners. So therefore, when the husband died and now moves on to the Zika, it goes one step lower. So therefore, the Yavim is not considered to be equal with his wife. It's one step lower. That's why Basil is holding that when she dies, the properties are inherited by her, by her father's family. It must be Bishamai was holding that no, that a husband is like the Iker Bailim. And when he dies and it goes to the Zika, now we see the husband, the, the, the Yavim and the Zika and the wife as being, as being equal. Says the Gemara, Rabba disagrees with the whole assumption of Abayah. If she inherited the properties when she was still married to her husband, everyone would agree that his hand is stronger than her hand, meaning even Basila would agree that the Iker Shame Bailim is on the husband, is really his things, and even when it now dissolves into Zika, the, the, the Yavim should be considered at least equal, even if, it go down, even if it goes down one step, the Yavim should be considered equal. And Basil wouldn't say that the property should be inherited by her family. So we can't be talking about a case where it says Rava that these properties were owned by the deceased, because then even Basil would agree that even if it goes down one step into the Zika, that it would at least be 50-50. We're not going to say it's Be'ikr in the possession of her family. So Rava therefore gives a different solution to the Kash between the Rasha and the Seifa. In both of the cases, the property falls to her after the death of the deceased when she's already waiting for Yivam. Rasha to love my mind. The Rasha is talking about that Mimer wasn't done. It's just the Zika. See? And therefore, we say that, it, that, that since it's just the Zika, the Yavim is not the husband. Rasha is talking about Mimer. The Seifa is talking about the Yard did Mimer. And then after Mimer, it might be that he's treated like a husband, and that's why he would inherit the property at least partially after she dies. That according to Mishama, what does Mimer do? It makes her a definite Arusa, but only a possible Nisua. This takes us back to Task of Chavtes, where we saw the power of Mimer, according to Bishamai, is that it, it acquires the Yavama to the Yavam, and now if the sister would fall to Yibam, she wouldn't have any Zika, it would be considered a white sister. However, it only makes it a Suffolk 
Nesua, like we're learning here in terms of the assets, who owns the property, it's only a doubt. And that's why after Mimer, we're going to say that if the wife would die, the husband would divide the properties, the oven would divide the properties with the woman's family. Fine. So now that we have Machlokas Abai and Rava, what the case of the Mishnah is, is the case of the Mishnah switching when she inherited the properties, or is the case of the Mishnah switching whether or not Mimer had been done? Some people said Rabbi Lazar learned like Rava that the, the, the distinction of the Mishnah is whether or not Mimer was done. Some people say in the name of Rabbi Lazar that like Abai, that the question is when the properties fell. Says the Gemara, Yamar Blazar Alfi, would Rabbi Lazar ever say like Rava? Vahamar Ablazar, Mimer Shemakona Ella Lutos Bazar Bavat. Rabbi Lazar made a point of saying that Mimer isn't so strong according to Hishamai. All it does is that it defines the Uvama as being his wife, that if her sister would then fall, there wouldn't be Zika from the sister. But it doesn't make her like for any other areas of Allah like a full wife. So presumably that means even in the areas of Allah like inheritance. So here we're, we're, we're saying, Mishmeda Rava, that maybe we're saying in the name of Rava that Mimer makes it that he, he's considered the husband. I thought, I thought, I thought Rabbi Lazar holds that, that Mimer is not that strong. So the Mar says, Epoch, you're right. You have to flip who said what. Rabbi Lazar would never have said Rava's interpretation. Rabbi Lazar certainly would only say, like Abai's interpretation, that the switch in the Mishnah is when she inherited it. She inherited it uh, before, b- before she became Mishnah Maris Yafim or after. But clearly, the Mishnah cannot mean. Um, the distinction about whether or not Mimer was done, because according to Rabbi Lazar, Mimer would never make the husband be considered a full-fledged husband to inherit his wife afterwards. Or the Gemara responds, or if you want to say you don't have to flip what was said before, really we could say that Rabbi Lazar would say like Rabbi's interpretation, I, Rabbi's interpretation requires that to say that Mimer does a lot. What I was saying that the Mimer is only Kona to push away the tzara, I was referring to the Yibam considerations. And the point that I was saying is, is that she would still require chalitza afterwards. I wasn't talking about the monetary aspects. I wasn't talking about what would happen to divide up the, you know, after, after the woman died, after doing Mimer, who would, who would get the properties. I was never speaking about the Chosha Mishpat effect at all. And it could be in Akhanami that the halacha would be that afterwards it would be divided. So bottom line is we're coming out with so many different interpretations here. But uh, Abai is saying that the Iker between the Rasha and the Seifa is when the properties fell to the woman, and Rabba is saying that the Iker between uh, the Rasha and the Seifa is if Mimer or not was done. The reading in the Mishnah sounds like Abai said that the end of the Mishnah is talking about the Malul properties that she inherited while she was still married. Even though there is something difficult with his opinion, which is why did the Mishnah have to speak about a case where she died? And the Gemara will now explain what that difficulty is. The language of the mission is, what should I do? Who should inherit the properties that were nichnas v'yotze ima? What does that language mean? What does it mean that they enter and that they leave? So presumably it means, It means the, the properties that enter the domain of the husband and that leave the domain of the husband when he dies and go into the domain of the father. So it sounds like what we're saying is we're talking about properties that she inherited while she was still married to the first husband. That's what it means. It's, le- it's entering and, le- and then leaving. We're talking about properties that she had inherited <coughs> while she was still married to the deceased. So the language of the Mishnah Chalasim by Yotzinimah is mashma, the way that Abayah is saying. However, Avagav the Kasher Mesa, there's a difficulty with this job, is why did the Mishnah have to speak about a case where she died? Instead of discussing, what, discussing what, I, what would I do with the, the go for the property after she dies? Why don't they just disagree? whether or not the husband would have parents. Why don't they disagree with the parents on that point? The root of the dispute here, according to Abaye, the whole question was, was is the husband's hold on, on the Malouk property equal to hers or greater than hers? Bishamu was saying it was greater and Basil was saying it was equal. And now when she goes down to Yivam, everybody agrees that, that it goes one step weaker. So according to Bishamu, that it was greater. Um, according to Bishamu, that, 
that that Dazun's right was greater, so then the Yavam's right will be one step down equal. According to Beis Hillel, will be weaker. So the practical difference would be who's going to eat the Malo property. Bishai was going to say they should divide the produce, and Beis Hillel would say no, he can't. So why did the Mishnah have to discuss a case? Why did why did they have to discuss a case? Baklau, where the Yavama died. That's what's bothering the Gemara. They could argue even if she'd be alive in regard to the fruit. And the Gemara says, "Sulumidi." There's nothing more to say about this. Um, this is the end of the end of the sugya. Okay, so we finish up that that point of the sugya, the, the dispute in the monetary points when with the shomeres yavam. Then the Mishnah said, "Kansa harikisha." If the yavam does yibum with the yavama, the woman now is considered a full wife. Says my my hilchos are regard to which halachas. This means to say that after. Yibam is done. The Yavim now is able to divorce his wife with a get, and he could also take her back after divorcing her. So the court says, of course he could divorce her. He did the mitzvah. Megash would get pshita, of course. Sakhotaita for many, maybe to answer. Hold, sibul akachol of the isha of Yimah. The Bible says he takes her for a wife, and he does Yibam with her. So what is the Torah saying? Even after you do, you do bia, it's still considered like Yavama. It's still considered like the zikas there. She's always treated like Yavama, and whenever he wants to get rid of her, even after he did the bia, chalitza and the get alone, maybe you always have to do chalitza, but not just with the get alone. Kamash it tells us that it's not like that. He could just give her a get and send her away. It says the Gemara Mach Zero, what's the Chiddush that he could take her back after divorcing her Pshita? Why would I say he can? So I would think to say, Mitzvah Ava, the Mitzvah of Yibam, Hashem said to do. And he did the Mitzvah of Yibam. So now that the Mitzvah of Yibam was done, so the Isser of a brother's wife should come back. Remember, fundamentally, every Yibam is an Isser of a brother's wife. It's only Mutter to do the Mitzvah. So maybe I would say, that over here, after the mitzvah is done, this Rebbe Shadak should come back. Mashmul and Mishnah has to tell us that no, that is considered the Yavam's regular wife that he can marry afterwards. Says the Marv Emach, and I mean, maybe really the halacha should be that he's not allowed to take her back afterwards. Maybe it should be in the answer of a brother's wife. Says the Marv Emach, it says, take her for a wife. As soon as Yavam is done, she becomes like a regular wife in all respects. What did the Mishnah say? That when the Yavam does Yibam, the Ksuba, the, the responsibility to pay if something would happen, if the marriage would dissolve, is on the estate of the first husband. All of the properties of the Yavam are not achroy, are not responsible to pay the Ksuba. It's the property of the deceased that have to pay. My time, because he took the, Hashem threw him the wife, literally. In other words, to say, like, he didn't decide to, do, to, to marry this woman. It was a mitzvah. Hashem forced him to do it. There's a din of Yibam. So therefore, the responsibility for the Ksuba is not on his assets, but it's rather from the assets of the deceased. Says the Marvi, less than a Rishon, but if there's no property from the first husband that that would suffice to pay the Ksuba, so Tiklum and Ashini, the Rabbanon then said that the second husband does have his property become Akroi. We don't want a situation where it's so easy for him to divorce. That's always considered not fair to a woman, that it's so easy for the man to divorce her and she has no security. So at least the security is that there's a Ksuba payment. So if there's nothing in the estate from the first husband that has the value to pay the Ksuba, so Rabbanon would be Misakin that it should be paid from the estate of the second person. Okay, says the Mishnah, mitzvah the ideal mitzvah is for the oldest brother to be Lo ratzah, if he doesn't want him, call and then we go to the other brothers. Lo ratzah, if they also don't want chosen, we go back to the oldest one. But we say, mitzvah, hey, the mitzvah, the ikr mitzvah is on you. either decide to chalitz or Let's say he said, you know what, there's a little brother, and maybe he'll grow up. Right, right now he's he's too young, but 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 maybe he'll grow up. Let's say, see, maybe he'll want to do him. Oh my God, you have Or there's an older brother who's a wave overseas. Oh, Cheresh Shota, or he's saying maybe a Cheresh Shota person should do it. Ain't Shomano. All these excuses we don't listen. Ella Omer Mo. Rather we tell him, Alecha Mitzvah. The Mitzvah is incumbent upon you. Ochalotzei Avimi to do Chalitza or do Yibam. Says the Gemara. Fascinating so you hear. Itmar Bias Katan Machalitza is called. What happens if we have to choose between the choice of a younger brother doing Bia or an older brother doing Chalitza? What is more preferable? 
generally the older brother is better, but also generally Yibam is better than Chalitza. So what should we do if it's the, the choice that we have, the fork of the road, is the Bia of the Katan or the Chalitza of the Gadol? So please, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, disagree. Chadam Rabbi Yochanan, Adifa. One says the Bia of the Katan is better, Chadam Rabbi Yochanan, Gadol, Adifa. The other one says the Chalitza of the older brother is better. The one who said that the Bia from the younger one is better than Mitzvah Yibam. Generally, the better Mitzvah is Yibam, not Chalitza. Chalitza is Gadol Adifa. The one that says Chalitza is better. When there's an older brother who is available, then the younger brother is nothing. So there's an, even if the older brother is choosing Chalitza, but the younger brother is always nothing in front of the older brother. So the mission, now we try to bring a proof to Nan. We learned it on Mishnah Lorat. So if the older brother wasn't willing to do Yibam, we go to the other brother. So what does it mean that the older brother was unwilling? It means he didn't want to do Yibam, but the older brother was willing to do Chalitza. And still, what does it say? We're going to the other brothers. Instead of having the older brother do Chalitza, we're going to the other brothers hoping they'll do Yibam. So it seems like we see from here that the Bia from the younger brother would be preferable to the Chalitza of the older brother. So the Gemara says, "Lo, that's not what it means." It means that the older brother he wasn't willing to do either chalitza or yibum. So then, of course, before we would force the older brother, we would go to the younger brother. Says the Gemara, if that's what it means, what does it mean that the younger brother didn't want lo ratsu lo When it says that they were also unwilling, it would mean that they were unwilling to do either. So if what happened was we didn't want the older brother, we approached. He didn't want to do chalitza or yibum. So then we went to the younger brothers, and they also didn't want to chalitza or do yibum. So when, what did the Mishnah say? We go back to the older one. So why? Why wouldn't we go back to the older one? The Mechveh, to force him. Look what they do. So just force the, where we are. Force the younger brother. Meaning, why trouble the court to go back to the other brother, the older brother and force him if the younger brother are already here? And the point that the Gemara is, is, is seemingly assuming is that we're not going to go out of our way to get the older brother back when the younger brother is already in court, even though it's ideal that the mitzvah would be done by the older brother, but the court is not going to inconvenience itself. So Bishlam, if you would say that the older brother wasn't just uh, we're not question of, 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 of will and of forcing, but maybe he'd want to do chalitza. Then we could say we go back to the older brother because he has the right to do chalitza. But if you're going to say that he already said he didn't want to do chalitza, we're just talking about what we're going to force now. So force the person in front of us. Who cares? Says the Gemara, no. Came in the mitzvah, lady day Rami, since the mitzvah isn't coming upon him, lady kafina. The din kfiya that who we would force is always on the person that the acre mitzvah lies on the older brother. So really the case is the older brother didn't want to chalitza or yibum. Then we went to the younger brother, they didn't want to do chalitza or yibum. So now we're going to have to force somebody. So we go back and we force the older brother. Says the Gemara, now we try to bring the opposite, right? Tonight, we learned in a Mishnah Talbot, Katanashi Abdo, someone deferred to a, a younger kid until he's going to grow up in Shomala, we don't listen. Says the Gemara, why not? If he would do Bia, it would be better. So, Amayin Shomala, why don't we listen to the excuse? It's a great excuse. Nin we should wait. Maybe the younger brother will grow up and do Yibam. Must be, that must be that we have a preference for the Chalitza of the older brother, even over the Yibam of the younger brother. Says the Gemara, according to your line of reasoning, why we're not listening to him? What else did it say? If you defer to the older brother until he comes back from overseas, we don't listen. Am I? Why not? Maybe we'll come back and do Chalitza if you're saying Chalitza is better. And even more, the truth is that the market could have even said that maybe he'll come back and do Yibo. So certainly it would be better from the older brother. Allah says the Gemara, big Kosha, We don't delay doing a mitzvah. Even if the mitzvah might be done in a better way, we don't delay doing it. You always want to do the mitzvah right away. That's the issue of why we don't listen to excuses. Not because it wouldn't be better, but because we don't delay. Says the Gemara, top of the Ahmed Beis, Ista, I mean, there's a different analysis of what we're saying. Until now, the, the, the analysis was what's better, the Bia from the Katan or the Chaliza from the Gadol. Now the Gemara says, Ista, I mean, Bia, everybody would agree that the Bia from the younger brother is better than the Chaliza from the other brother, from the older brother. Keep Bia, what are they arguing about? Chaliza is Katan. If no one's going to do Bia, no one wants to do Bia. It's just a question of who should do Chaliza, that's what we're arguing about. Is there any preference of having Chaliza from the Gadol over Chaliza from the Katan? This is the way it was said. If I have to choose between the chalitza of the two, 
Is there any preference? Once as a chalitza from the older brother is preferable, they're equal. There's nothing more preferable about the chalitza from the older one. And the Gemara explains the reasoning. The one who says the chalitza of the older brother is better than mitzvah begadol. The mitzvah is on the older brother. So that applies to chalitza no less than yibam. So that there's a preference that the older brother do the chalitza. The idah, the other opinion says, give me the mitzvah begadol. Where do we say the primary mitzvah is on the gadol and yibam? That's all clapping. If yibam is on our own chalitza, once we're talking about chalitza, it's all the same. So now the Gemara brings proofs from the Mishnah in this analysis. Again, before the Gemara was saying Machlokas is about B.S. Cotton and Machalitza's Gadol. Now we're saying the Machlokas is about is there any preference at all between the Chalitza of the Katan and the Gadol? Tanan, we learned in our Mishnah. If the younger brothers don't want Chalitza's Gadol, let me go back to the older one. So what does it mean the younger brothers didn't want? My love was the Yamalakla. They didn't want to do even, but they were willing to do Chalitza. But Tanan Chalitza's Gadol says we go back to the older brother to have him do Chalitza. What's the pshat? The pshat must be that if we have to choose between the chalitza, the chalitza of the katan and the gadol, um, we're always going to choose the, the chalitza of the gadol. That's what it would seem to be. So, so that's why we're going back. We're going back to the, to the older brother. So the word says, when it says they didn't want, it means they didn't want to do chalitza or yibam. That's what it means. When it said it by the older brother, he didn't want it means as well, he was unwilling to do chalitza even. So, if that's the case, which is forcing somebody, so why are we going back to him at all? The myth to force him, let's just force the younger brother. Again, the Gemara doesn't understand. Once you're just forcing somebody, if that's what's going on, then you may as well, if that all you're doing is forcing, then you may as well, uh, you may as well just, just force where the person where you are. Why, why inconvenience the court? So it must be that if we're just forcing, we would force where we are right now. Must be Alamad that they, everyone is willing to do chalitza, and you're still going back to the older brother because of his rights, because of his ability to do chalitza. And again, we see that there is a preference, something better about the chalitza of a gadol over a katan. So the Mar says, no, really, no one is willing to do chalitza, and you're really you're just forcing. Why are you going back to the older one? The answer is keeping the mitzvah the day since the mitzvah is incumbent on the oldest brother, the day It's on him that you would force rather than them. Says the Gemara Somebody pushed away the mitzvah to the oldest brother until he comes back, and Jomalo, you don't listen. Right? We say, no, the mitzvah is, is, is to be done now, you do it. But Mar says, why don't you wait for the guy to come back? He says, the chalitza from the older brother is preferable to the younger brother, and I am Shemala, why wouldn't we listen? Why don't we wait, hoping that the oldest brother will come back and do the chalitza? So we should, we should wait. It must be, Elamai, that there's no, there's no preference. It says the Gemara, it says if you, if you push off to a younger brother until he comes to the age, you don't listen. Why? Maybe he'll do Yibam. Maybe he'll do Yibam. And everybody agrees that the Yibam is better than the Chalitza. Even in the case of the older brother, maybe when the older brother comes back, he'll want to do Yibam itself. And certainly the Yibam from the older brother is better. It's the same as we don't delay mitzvahs. We don't delay mitzvahs. We have to work with what we have right now. So therefore, there's no proof <coughs> in terms of whether or not the chalitza from the older brother is better or worse. Okay. So now, we've been assuming this whole discussion even is better than the chalitza. So now the Gemara gets into a new general discussion here about that point. And now, also, we learned in a Mishnah there. Mishnah Bechorah, Mishnah even was preferable to chalitza. That was only true originally where people, when they did things, they had kavana for the mitzvah. Now, today, people are, are, are not as holy and they're, they're, they're just compelled by ulterior motives. So um, now the rabbis say, actually now, chalitza is preferable over yibam. Since they're not going to be doing it correctly for the right motives, so it's like, remember, always we're dealing with an erva. It's always eshazah. So if somebody does it for the right motive, okay, we can understand it's a beautiful thing that yibam is done. But when someone's doing it for the wrong motive, we just see that it's close to them doing an erva. 
So I'm a rabbi in Kofin. Even though now we say chalitza is preferable, but we don't force people to do chalitza. If they do choose to do yibam, they may choose to do that. And, uh, and we don't force them to do chalitza instead. Says the Gemara, you also look how many the Rav Amar the when they when you have come to Rav, you would say Eibah is chalitza. You want to do chalitza by Yam, you want to do Eibah. But he talked to Rav Hashem said it's up to you. Lo yachvot seish. It says if the man doesn't want ha'im chafetz, but the implication is if he would want Eibah chalitza by the Yabim, he could do chalitza or Eibah. So again, this is the idea that um, we don't force people into chalitza. If they do, they do in fact want to do Eibah, then we would allow them. Although we ourselves prefer chalitza because people are motivated by their ulterior. Reasons, not the altruistic thing of doing the mitzvah. Says the Gemara, "Rabbi Yudah Savar in Kofen Rabbi Yudah also holds that we don't force people to do chalitza. With Atzim Rabbi Yudah, we get the chalitza. We see from the lashon that he used in a chalitza document, meaning we're going to look at the language of the document that Rabbi Yudah used to understand his position on whether chalitza is preferable or not. Because it says, "A ponis bat ponis, the so and so, the daughter of so and so, Akiva is a ponis yavama karbanin the beidina. She came before so and so her yavam in front of us in court. And we recognize." that he was the brother of the deceased. This is a very interesting lashon. It says in the document that they recognize. It's mashma, that, rec- that simple recognition that he is the brother-in-law is good. We don't necessarily require like edus to the fact that, he, that he's really the Avam. Recognition is good. We said to him, it's obviously Avam Yavam, if you wanted to even do Yavam. If you don't want to Yavam, stick out your right foot. And the Avam extended to her, his right, his right foot. Shari signing our glow. She removed the shoe from his foot. Viarik is ban poi ruka. The mischaz of edina al ar. She spat in front of his spit that could be seen on the court of the floor. On the on the on uh, that could be seen to the court and it was resting on the floor. Rav Chia bar Avi misayim mishmar. Rav Yudah bar Chia bar Avi would finish the document. The name of Rav Yudah back revealed him on the sibi sefer rice and motion. We and we had them read what was written in the Torah. Right there's a declaration that that that, that the woman says. All right, so now the Gemara goes on to analyze what we said before. It said we recognize him. It's not as much that the recognition alone was good enough. So, one says that we have to say that no. When it says recognition, it means that we brought witnesses to support the fact that the oven really was the paternal brother. And it wouldn't just be good with like, oh, intuitively, we know he's the brother. The brother. One says, no, you don't really need Eidus. You can use a relative, you can use a woman. You don't need a din Eidus. So, like, and the idea is you're just revealing a fact. In other words, it's not that this is the Davar Sheba Erva, Afilu Isha, therefore you could believe even a relative or a woman. This is a big chiddush, because normally when you're talking about Davar Sheba Erva, regarding matters of Erva, you always say, in Davar Sheba you need two witnesses to affect such a thing. But here what we're saying is that this is not really considered a Davar Sheba Erva, it's just merely, merely recognizing who somebody is in order to now do the Chalitza. And since it's just merely recognizing who somebody is to go do the Chalitza, you don't need the formal laws of Edus. Now we go back to this discussion. What is preferable, yibum or chalitza? So we say as follows: Originally, when people had in mind to do the mitzvah, people were motivated by the mitzvah. So since people were motivated by the mitzvah, so taka, we would say go for yibum. But mitzvah. Now they don't really have in mind for the mitzvah. They're, motiv- they're motivated by other things. So I'm another rabbi said mitzvah chalitza with the so now, now more comments. Actually, now the rabbi went back. They switched their mind back, and Yibam is preferable to Chalitza. How did that come to be? So it seems strange, right? Because the reason why they were saying Chalitza is better is because people stopped having Kavad al-Shem Mitzvah. So now what? Then they started again. The generations improved. Meaning to say, if the rabbis didn't want Yibam because people weren't having the right motivations, so then what changed? So originally we held the Kavad 
And then they changed their mind, told like the Rabbana. Meaning this whole thing is assuming the premise is that if you have in mind the wrong thing, then it's bad. But that's all only like the opinion of Abashal. The Rabbana holds, even if you have in mind the wrong thing, it's not a problem at all. The Tanya says in Bryce, Abashal, of our person who does even just because he thinks the woman is beautiful, because he wants to be married, or anything else he might be motivated by. It's as if he's having with an Arab, his brother's wife, a carbon, and there's a lot of moms there. It's close that the kid should be a mom's. Now it's a whole machlokas, and we showed him does this mean to arise with Rabbanon? But either way, there's definitely something tainted, something wrong in Abishol's view of having even for the wrong reason. So originally, we held like Abishol, and that's why we were saying go for Chalitza, because people don't have the right motives. say, who cares? You did the mitzvah, you did the mitzvah, everything's fine. So now that we look like Chalitza, we don't really care, and we suggest that Yibam is preferable. Says the Gemara, "Matanot to the Rabbanon." Who is the Tana of the following Bryce? So the Bryce says, "Yifamu Yavolah, Yavam Shabbir with her mitzvah. This is a mitzvah. Shabbatchila, he told Avichal Hatzer originally before she married her husband, who eventually died. She was mutter to anybody before she ever got married to begin with. She was mutter to her Yavam Vinasra when she got married to his brother. She became Aser as a brother's wife. Avichal Now she's becoming mutter when the husband dies childless. So he also taught her the Terei Shona. You might think she was she returned totally mutter." This is a mitzvah. Who is teaching this and what in the world does this mean? It sounds like she was mutter, she became a brother's wife, she's Osir, now she's becoming mutter, and now you might think she become totally mutter and we're still saying mitzvah. So we have to understand what in the world is the price uh, trying to pr- present and whose opinion is it. So the Gemara elaborates. It's going to have a show that the point is that even has to be done for the sake of the mitzvah. This is what the Bryce is saying. There's a mitzvah for it to be done. The mitzvah it must be done. And, and what does this mean? And it's a mitzvah only if it's done for the right sake. And why is this a chedesh? But is a love Originally, before she ever got married, she was mutter totally. So you can marry a woman, a woman who's not your brother's wife for any reason, for her beauty, for just to be married. Whatever motive you have to get married. But then what happened was Nasra, when she got married to the brother, she became also to, the, to, to her brother-in-law. Now now she's becoming mutter to the Yavam after her husband dies childless. So you might think it should go back to the same way it originally was. That is just a blanket hatter to get married, whatever you're motivated by. The Torah is saying, no, you're only allowed to have the Bia if you have in mind to do the mitzvah. So that's the point here that we're saying. The point that we're saying is, even though the Torah is giving a hatter for Yibam, it's only to give a hatter for the mitzvah. But if you're not having in mind for the mitzvah, it's no good, and we're going like Abishol. Rav gives a different interpretation. Rav on filo tamer rabbanon could be going like the rabbanon who all we don't care about the kavanah. But halachi kamer this is what the bride is saying. Yivam yivolam mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. Meaning not only is it a hatzer, you have to do yivam. You're obligated to do yivam. And it's preferable to yivam other chalitza. So atlius of chal hatzer originally before she ever married. Whoever she got married, she was just, it was a hatzer. She didn't, it didn't make a difference if you wanted to marry her, or if there was a chiv or not. It was just, you could get married if you wanted. Ratzel Kotzer, Ratzel Kotzer. If you want to marry, you could. If you don't want to marry, you don't. Nasra, then she got married. She became also to brother-in-law, and now she's becoming mother. So I would say, she's just like she was before she got married. Meaning what? Ratzel Kotzer, Ratzel Kotzer. If he wants to marry or not, if he doesn't want to marry her, he doesn't have to. So the Gemara says, what does that mean? There's really a havamina that Yibam is a hetzer but doesn't have to? There's Zika, what she should be released with nothing? Meaning the Gemara is asking, of course, after death, now there's an absolute chiv to, to, to do Yibam. Why would you think it's not a mitzvah? So the Gemara says, You might say that Yibam or Chalitza are equal. There's no preference specifically to have Yibam. The preference is for, for Yibam to be done over Chalitza. So the second interpretation, what we're saying is that the Chiddush is that after Chalitza, that after, after the death of the deceased, it doesn't go back to the original way it was, that it's just, oh, if you want to marry or marry her. Actually, now there's a preference. There's a, there's, we want that Yibam should be done. So bottom line is, is and if you do Yibam for the wrong reason, 
if it's good or bad. According to Rabbanu, we don't care. It's still optimal to have Yibam. According to Abishol, we say it's less than ideal. We'd rather have Chalitza than Yibam that's done for the wrong reason. And this was the back and take between what the halacha is. Do we choose Yibam or Chalitza, so on and so forth? What do we prefer in our day and age?